on in our study of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus the Messiah. We, for the past number of messages, have been looking at one single night. And we're going to continue to do so because Jesus is teaching his disciples and the themes of his teaching seem to um, interweave amongst themselves. He, He teaches us how we are to abide in him. Then he also teaches that we are to love one another as he has loved us what our relationship is to the world. He has told us, and he'll continue to tell us, that he is leaving and that he is not going to leave them as orphans. And so the teaching continues on. And so we're going to take a look, uh, particularly at one aspect of this teaching, uh, starting with John chapter 15, starting with verse 26. It says this, And when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus is telling them that when he is gone, there is going to be this Helper who will help them, who is the Spirit who is going to come because Jesus sends him, and he's being sent from the Father. Now, God knows from the beginning of humankind's existence that it's not good for us to be alone. When he created Adam, he made the same statement, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he created a helpmate to assist Adam. And Jesus is doing the very same thing, if you will, in this spiritual context. He's going... I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send one who is a helper. And this helper will assist you. And he's going to come, but he is the spirit of truth. Now we're going to come back to this, but the Holy Spirit, in our culture and and in very many churches, you wouldn't recognize. And so we're going to talk a little about what the Holy Spirit is and what He does. But one of the things right off the bat that Jesus tells us that the Spirit is going to do is that He is going to come to testify about Jesus. That's His job. But that's not just His job. It is our job. It is the disciples' job to testify about Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit who is there to assist us in testifying about Jesus. So immediately, if you will, during this teaching, Jesus doesn't wait. And somehow we, we wait till the end of Matthew when he's leaving his disciples, when we hear about what's commonly called the Great Commission, when he sends his disciples off to testify. Well, he doesn't wait till then. He's teaching us now that our job is to testify, is to give testimony, is to bear witness what it is that we have seen and experienced. Notice, he doesn't tell us our job is to save anybody. All too often, we take upon ourselves the obligation and the burden and the pressure to save those 
who we communicate with. Not your job. Your job is to testify. Whether they believe or disbelieve, whether they come to accept or not, not your job. We're going to see whose job that is. Our job is to tell people about Jesus. And then concluding that chapter, unfortunately, starting with John 16, it says this, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. So he says, I'm telling you these things because things are going to get hard and so that you don't fall, so that you don't stumble, so that you continue on the path that you're to be. I've told you these things. He says, they will make you outcast from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. Now, I wasn't there. But my attention would be immediately drawn to the statement, but when they kill you, they think they're doing service to God. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I thought you were the Messiah. I, I thought we were joining, and we're going to be on your cabinet. We're going to be the ones who rule and reign. And I thought everything's going to be hunky-dory and wonderful. What do you mean they're going to kill me? You need to say, if. They're saying, when they do these things, they're going to do it with the zeal of thinking that they're doing God's righteousness. And he says, when you're outcast in the synagogue. So he's not talking about the world. He's talking about religious leaders. He's talking about those friends and people that you worship with and go to learn about God. Those are the people who are going to excommunicate you and ultimately kill you, and they're going to think they're doing good. These things, again, they will do because they have not known the Father or me. Just because somebody is extremely religious, just because somebody can quote the Scriptures, just because they have an appearance of holiness does not make them those who know God and therefore His Son. And probably one of the most difficult things to get people to turn, it's easier, if you will, to get a, a sinner to confess that he's a sinner because he understands that he's a sinner than a religious person to say, I have just been religious, but not a believer. But they don't know me. So when they come at you, and when they come to kill you, and when they come to cast you out of the religious services, because they may think they have a zeal for God, but they don't know me or the Father. But these things I have spoken to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. Jesus said, you're not to get caught by surprise. When those things happen, it's not supposed to be surprising. And there will come a day, even in our culture, as it seems to be moving more anti-religious in a number of different ways for them to think likewise of us. So we're not to be shook 
when the world hates us. Because Jesus has told us that already. Which again kind of messes up our typical witnessing. Because our typical witnessing is, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It's abundant. It's free. Everything you could ever ask for, you'll get. Not Jesus' teaching. The world will hate you. They will kill you. They will cast you out. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Jesus tells them, when I chose you and when we became a group and I became your rabbi, I didn't start off with the really bad news. I started off with the good news. That I'm the Messiah. I've told you that they were going to crucify me and that I was going to leave and I was going to come back and, and whatever. And I've told you that all along, uh, I've healed the sick, I've cast out demons, I've done a number of, of signs and wonders to show who I am. And I even gave you some ability to heal people and to do miracles. And you were really impressed as there are some things you couldn't do. And you asked questions about. But there are times, if you will, when you start teaching math. Let's say. You don't start off with calculus. You start off with addition and subtraction, multiplication, division, and then it goes as you learn and as you're able to handle things and, and understand things, the information becomes more difficult. And Jesus says, So I was with you, so I protected you. And as your protector, you didn't have to worry about these things like them coming after you. But now you need to know. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you, me, none of you ask me, where are you going? They're concerned that he's going. It kind of makes them sorrowful. But they're not quite sure where it is he's going. But Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. He's the one who sent me. I'm going back to Him. Because, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, I don't criticize these guys for that. They have been with Jesus for about three and a half years. They have experienced the love of God. They have experienced the power of God. They have experienced friendship like no one has ever experienced it. They have understood forgiveness as no one has ever. I would too be sorrowful that here, not, not necessarily my best friend, but the one that I declare is my Lord, can't be happy he's going. And so they have a natural tendency to say, Wait a minute. We like what was happening. We like being with you. We like learning of you. We like seeing the miracles and the wonders and the signs. We liked all of those things. 
It gave us reason. It gave us purpose. It seemed like our life made sense. And now you're leaving. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now that's a pretty shocking statement if you were there as a disciple going, (laughs) wait a minute, we've been with you three and a half years. The best three and a half years of our lives have been with you. What do you mean it's better off that we don't see you anymore? Because we know what our life was like. Yeah, we were fishing and whatever, but that didn't compare to being with you and learning from you and hanging out with you and seeing how you related to all these people. That was a good life. Jesus says, it's your, to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Jesus is saying, as long as I'm here with you, you don't get the Helper. When I leave, you get the Helper. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, you're not going to be left alone. You're not going to be an orphan. I'm going to leave this helper with you. He doesn't tell us all about what the helper is going to do. But let me tell you one tremendous advantage of the Helper being here rather than Jesus. You see, Jesus at this time is in Jerusalem. He's somewhere between the city of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. He's hanging around now 11 guys. Because one's already left to betray him. What about the shepherds that heard about his birth? What about the wise men who came to pay homage and worship the newborn king? What about all of those people who would come to become believers because of their testimony and the testimony of the Holy Spirit? You see, Jesus here on earth was bound by His presence. But the Holy Spirit will not be so bound He will reside in each and every believer. We see the Old Testament believers. And there would be occasions where the Spirit would come and anoint them for some purpose in some event, and they would accomplish that and it would be done. Or that they would do something stupid like Saul and the Spirit would withdraw from him or whatever. But it was a kind of an ad hoc basis. Jesus is saying, this helper is coming to dwell in you and with you and be there so that your strength is not your own, but the Holy Spirit. That you will be a temple. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God because he dwells in you. And he, in the Spirit, And He, when He comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in Me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see Me. 
and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. You see, the Holy Spirit's job is to testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us to be disciples. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of sin. That's its job. Our job is to testify. Our job is to say, I once was a sinner, I once was blind, but now I see. God did this for me, and I know, and I'm going to tell you what God did. I can't tell you what God did for Paul. can't tell you what God did for my grandmother and my grand. I can't tell you about those things. I can tell you what God has done for me. And that's what we're to testify. And when somebody comes to the Lord because we have testified, it is because the Spirit also testified, and because the Spirit convicted of sin and judgment, and they, they came and received. It wasn't the power of our words. It wasn't the ability of teaching and speaking that caused people to repent. It's the Spirit. Which gives us tremendous freedom. Because one of the reasons people don't testify is because they're afraid they'll say the wrong thing. Hear me. If somebody's going to hell, you didn't send them. You didn't cause them to go there. However you may have messed up in your testimony wasn't the reason that they didn't come to reject. Somehow we think that if we have this power, that if we have some kind of charisma, that people respond. And people may respond, but they'll respond to us, not to him. You don't have to water down the scriptures. And yet that seems what's happened. You'll hear people say, if you'll say the sinner's prayer, and the sinner's prayer is, God, I believe that I'm a sinner. Come in and save me. And you go, great. Jesus is my Savior. But that's not what Paul taught about the scriptures. Paul said that we are to acknowledge him, that he rose from the dead, and that he is our Lord. There's a whole lot of people who believe that Jesus died and rose again. But they don't call him Lord. So you are free to give true testimony. You are free to not have to worry about, oh, I didn't say the right thing. Because it is the Spirit's job to convict the world. It is the Spirit's job to show judgment. It is the Spirit's job to do these things. It is our job with our Helper to testify about Jesus. Verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You see, time is cutting short, and Jesus has some really difficult things that he needs to teach, but he can't do it now. Time won't let them, and they're at a spot where they haven't seen the resurrection, so they can't. I mean, they've already, he's already said they're going to kill you. I mean, there's really a lot of stuff going on here. And just as we, to our children, we don't always tell them all the truth immediately. We give a little bit and a little bit and a little bit so that they are able to mature 
and handle it. And Jesus is saying the same thing. And that's one of the jobs of the Spirit, is to help us to mature so that we can bear these things. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, well, first off, the Holy Spirit is holy. There's a lot of times I'll you know, tell people, I don't know whether the Holy Spirit is calling me, or and, you know, my little thing is, or pepperoni pizza, whatever. So one of the ways that you can know whether it's the Spirit is to realize there's a Holy Spirit. He's holy. So if some, some spirit is telling you to do something that's not holy, probably not the Holy Spirit. Maybe pepperoni pizza, maybe your desires, it may be some spiritual difficulty that we're fighting. But the Holy Spirit's holy. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us to truth. And the truth is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit will always point us to Jesus. And He does, just as Jesus said, I came teaching and speaking what, and doing what the Father has directed me to do. He said the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing. He only does what He's directed to do by the Godhead. He doesn't have His own agenda. doesn't have His own plan. It's a part of the Trinity. So he doesn't speak on his own initiative. What he hears, he discloses. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. There are a lot of churches who worship the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of churches who are all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The problem is, the Holy Spirit doesn't seek to be glorified. The Holy Spirit seeks to glorify the Son who glorifies the Father. So when you hear people giving undue accord to the Spirit, they've gotten it off. Because the Spirit will come and speak of Jesus. He will, even though He's God and entitled to worship, He will always say, worship the Son through the Father. He's there to glorify them. So if you see or hear anything that diminishes who the Son is, it's not from the Holy Spirit. because he takes what is mine, the teaching, the examples, and discloses it to you. Which is one of the reasons that it so irritates me when you'll read about the Scriptures and how people will say, oh, well, there's all these sources. I always love it. Here are guys who lived with Jesus, ministered with Jesus, and Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to bring all things into your remembrance and will disclose things to you. And they're convinced 
that Matthew needed a source, and they call it Q. His source is the Holy Spirit and his experience with the Son. Now, he may not have gotten everything that Jesus was teaching at the time, but the Holy Spirit brings into remembrance all things that Jesus disclosed. Oh, that thing that Jesus said that I didn't think was that important, now I find extremely important because the Holy Spirit has disclosed all things to me. A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Some of the disciples then said to one another, and I always love it, almost never when Jesus says something that's not quite graspable or they're a little bit confused, they never say, hey, I have a question, teacher. It's always a talk amongst themselves. Kind of like trying to find the answer from the person who doesn't know the answer. So some of the disciples then said to one another, what is this thing he is telling us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me. And because I go to the Father. So they were saying, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he's talking about. At least they're honest. It's been a long night, Jesus. We just had the, the Passover Seder. And we had about at least four glasses of wine and we had a good meal. And you've been really heavy teaching. And we don't know. We, we're confused. And now you're talking about a little while this, a little while that. We don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus knew that they wished to question him. And he said to them, Are you deliberating together about this that I said a little while and you will not see me? And again, a little while and you will see me? He goes, Is that the question? Of all the things Jesus has taught, this is the question. Okay. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. The world, I've been teaching you, the world hates me. And I've taught you that the world's going to hate you. And they're going to rejoice while you're being sorrowful, which means you're different in the world. But then that grief is going to be changed into gold. And then he's going to say, whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain. Because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. I don't know if my mom read this or it was the wisdom of a woman who had a couple of children. But she told me, in essence, this verse without citing this verse. She said, having a child probably the most excruciating pain a person can experience until you see the child. And then you forget the pain. Because the child was worth it all. And the memory of the pain just goes away because of the joy of the child. Now I like that because that meant she was looking at me and I was worth it. I like that because she looked at me 
And I thought, she thinks I'm worth it. Okay? Right. Thought maybe you didn't hear me. Therefore, you have grief. You too have grief now. And I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice. And no one will be able to take your joy away from you. Jesus says, told you I'm going to the Father. I've told you that they're going to, on other occasions, that they're going to crucify me, that they're going to bury me, and then I'm going to rise again on the third day. I've told you these things, and I've told you that I'm going to do these things alone, and that even though you're convinced that you'll die for me, you'll leave me, but that's the Father's will, and it's okay because that's what the Father's will is. But when I rise again, all the pain of my crucifixion, all the pain of the guilt that you experienced that you left me, all the guilt that you have of your sins and the need for me to be crucified will evaporate because you will see me anew, a resurrected Lord. And nothing that they will do will take that joy away. And after the resurrection, and after the ascension, these guys who are fearful, confused, unsure, when they were beaten and imprisoned and ordered not to preach, said, we're going to do what God has called us to do. You can do whatever. And they came back rejoicing for being accounted worthy of suffering at the name of Christ. Beatings, imprisonments, rejection, casting out of the synagogue didn't matter because they knew the joy of the resurrected Christ. And we too need to have that same joy that nothing and no one can take away what God has given to us. And the Spirit is here to help us understand and to help us live a life worthy of Him. The Holy Spirit is here as the Holy Spirit to teach us, to help us, to lead us to the truth, which is all truth, to glorify the Son, to testify. God knows that we need Him, that we cannot do this on our own. And He has provided us the exact help we need. Not someone from the outside pushing in. Not someone saying, this is what you ought or ought not to do. Someone who dwells in us. So that we might be the temple of God. That we might live with Him. And that, as Jesus has told us, that we are to abide as branches in Him that the Holy Spirit is that which helps us stay connected.
so that, that we don't become a stick, but a fruitful branch for his glory. So if you hear people tell you that their emphasis seems to be on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's part of the Trinity, yes. Holy Spirit, but just as Jesus came to do the will of the Father, the Spirit has come to glorify the Son and to teach us about Him and to teach us of Him and to reveal who we are in relationship to Him that we might come to Him. So yes, the Holy Spirit is God. But make sure you understand what His function is in our lives. And that's the latest to Christ. We're going to come and sing in a few moments the Spirit and the Bride. Because the Spirit calls us to come, to testify, and to call us into relationship with the Lord. And we as the church, testify the same thing to come and have that experience that they too may have a joy that cannot be taken away. And all God's people said,